As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I love the Raiders. Most of all, I love to win. You are now listening to State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Ted Nguyen, and Deshaun Reed on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Ted Nguyen, Deshaun Reed getting you set for the Raiders taking on the Denver Broncos on Sunday. For Deshaun, it's Drew Locke week, baby. Uh, I don't know. Have, have you started to sour on your, uh, your boy from Mizzou? Yeah, he's playing pretty bad this year. I got to be real with myself. You know, I was just looking at his statistics and going down the list, and uh, it's been pretty rough across the board. You know, they've had some up-and-down offensive line play, but I don't think you can peg it all on that. Yeah, as I'm writing a little bit about it this week, but he's he's definitely the worst quarterback they've played so far this season, or that they will play so far. Coming into the draft, he was seen as a guy who had a lot of arm talent, a lot of physical talent that just didn't put it together in college. People blamed his... Uh, the talent around him, but when you watched him, he, you know his footwork was really messy. He's thrown off his back foot a lot, and that didn't really change in a pros. Actually, I think it got kind of worse. So he's he's doing that a lot more now. He's he's very turnover prone. So the Raiders, who aren't that good at getting takeaways, might have a, a few shots this week. Wasn't he the guy who uh, drafted that? There are rumors that Raiders may get him in the draft. And I said I'd unlock the doors for the fans to come in and storm and storm <laughs> the castle. I think that was the guy. I didn't like him or Daniel Jones, and I think they're both uh, just good enough to get you beat. So uh, I think this is definitely a winnable game for the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. I think you were going to give him permission to, to set the building on fire. Was that, was that yeah, not it? Yeah, you know what? I, I may have said that, too. I may have said, <laughs> open the doors, and I'd give him uh, the torches. So that's not that's not good. That's not good, Vic. That's not good. For context for the listeners, like I, I was a year ahead of Drew at Mizzou, and I covered him during that, I think it was 2017 season, where he broke what then was the SEC passing record for touchdowns. But even then, it it was a lot of predetermined reads with the Mizzou offense. And like he knew where he was going to throw the ball before the ball was snapped. And if that guy wasn't open, then he got kind of lost really quickly. And he sort of looked at the field in thirds. You know, they simplified it. It was like super simple at Mizzou. And so any situation where he had to go to a second read or try to read the defense or do something that wasn't on script. He kind of struggled a little bit. And so I think that's why he's having to learn a lot of that on the fly in the NFL. And that leads to 
a lot of these turnovers that he's had. I think he has, what, seven turnovers and six starts so far this season. And so, I mean, I guess part of it is, is a product of learning how to be an NFL quarterback, but he probably started out behind some of the, the other quarterbacks that we see come into the league being more ready to go just because of the, the college system that he played in. We'll kind of look more at this matchup in a little bit, but I wanted to get into the midseason review that Vic and Deshaun wrote. And you know, while we're talking here about Drew Locke, let's talk about the quarterback on the other side. And Deshaun, you you kind of looked at it and and mapped it out. And a lot of people right now, whenever Derek Carr is going on a good stretch, they want to start comparing it to 2016. Obviously, he tied for third that year in the MVP voting, led him to the playoffs. You know, missed the season finale, so that uh. Uh, with the injury and obviously didn't play in the playoffs so that uh, that skewed his final numbers. He didn't get over 4,000 yards, and which he obviously would have. Um, the on pace kind of is a little bit skewed there in terms of that. But I mean, right now, his numbers are, are, are in line to pretty much every category far exceed what he did that season. Uh, the 69.8 completion percentage versus the 63.8 in 2016 is probably the most staggering one. Uh, he's completing you know 6% more of his passes. He's really just playing well on pace for 32 touchdowns and four interceptions. Yeah, I think he's playing better in 2016. I'll go ahead and say it. For so far, halfway through the season, we'll see if he keeps it up all the way through. But you look at the schedule in the second half, it's pretty significantly weaker than the first half was. So you think he would, especially as you know the offensive line and starts to get healthy, you would assume later on in the season that he'd at least be able to sustain the level of play that he's been at. And so you know, maybe their record isn't as good as it was that year, and I'm sure he won't be the top three MVP vote or anything this season. But I think when you just look at the numbers and the impact he's had on the game, and just his style has changed a little bit. I know he's just been aggressive this year. Um, he still, you know, likes his short passes and, and moving methodically down the field, but he hasn't been afraid to take shots, which was probably his biggest criticism coming into this year. And even with that, he's only thrown two interceptions so far, so he's avoided mistakes while doing that, and so. I think he's playing the best football in his career right now. I think he's, he finished fourth, I think, in MVP voting in 2016. And he could finish fourth again, I think. Uh, you look at what? You got Aaron Rodgers, you got uh, Russell Wilson, maybe Josh Allen. But uh, after that, I think he's probably right there. If they finish with 10, 11 wins, make the playoffs, and he has his numbers, which he has now, the ratio of touchdowns and interceptions, then definitely should be probably back in the same boat he was in in 2016. You know, he definitely has a case for it, but it's just going to be tough to beat out guys like Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson, who, you know, are making a lot of these big splash, spectacular type of plays on primetime. And, uh, and Carr is not that type of quarterback. You know, his impact, you know, it's not as flashy. You know, some of the best things he, he does is at the line of scrimmage, getting the, the team in the right plays, just getting the ball to the right receivers and not turning the ball over. But I, I definitely think he's playing at a very high level he's playing better out of structure than he 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 ever has you know and i don't think he'll ever be elite in that aspect but i think he's making a lot of good decisions when his plays break down and i I didn't think he did that previously yeah Carr and ezekiel elliott both had six votes uh tied for third that year i think the one thing that made that year maybe at least in some seem better is the dramatics right that year was there was more you know wild games i mean obviously we know the saints game the the wild overtime game against the Bucks. It was a lot more wild games, but yeah, I mean, he he's playing just really steady, solid football right now. And, you know, we talked about it after Sunday's game where unlike past years where he'd have games where the final stat line would look great and you would really kind of look around and say he didn't play that well. I mean, he played well even without a stat line looking great. And so, I mean, he, he's making that next step. 
look what he's doing. I mean, he, he's he's helping this team get in playoff contention and doing it behind an offensive line that's got a ton of immensely talented guys. And if they can ever put them all together out there on the field together, uh, you can only wonder what would happen to this offense. Colton Miller, he didn't play last week and he wasn't at practice today. So right now they don't have Colton Miller, Richie Incognito and Trent Brown you know, three of their best offensive linemen, they're out and didn't play against the Chargers. And, you know, he still played a a pretty good game. And, you know, not only that, but, you know, Brian Edwards has missed multiple games this season. Obviously, Tyrell Williams was out for the entire season. Henry Ruggs has missed a couple of games this season. So he's had some some compromise uh, receivers and offensive linemen, and he's still been pretty consistent week in and week out. And so, um, you know, like I said earlier, you know, you would think that once the offense or if it does get healthy, you know, fully at some point this season that you, know, you could perform even better. I got to apologize to um, Brandon Parker because after the uh, game, I said I described his performance as he wasn't a wreck. And uh, I, I went back and watched the film and he was pretty good. You know, like it wasn't perfect. Like he missed some run blocks. But his pass blocking was surprisingly good, and yeah, I apologize to him. He was pretty good, and I wonder. So you went from not a wreck to almost perfect. <laughs> wow! No, no, look at the film, man. You always got to look at the film. Not perfect. It definitely wasn't perfect. It, it wasn't pretty at times, but he got the job done. And his pass blocking was—it just looks a lot more improved than it, it was uh, last season. So I, I wonder if Colton Miller does come back, do they move Parker to right tackle? Because Sam Young did, really didn't play well. Yeah, I mean, he played, you know, a lot of right tackle the two weeks before that. And Sam Young, you know, started but got hurt early in the games. And so I think that might, might be the move. I know, I think I was saying that before we knew Colton Miller was going to be out there. Maybe he should get denied at right tackle. You know, I, I guess they're they're more confident in Young. But I guess he's more – like he, his lows maybe aren't as low as Brandon Parker. But he's he hasn't really had many highs so far this season. So I would I would give him a shot if, if Colton Miller is able to come back this week. All right, Vic, looking at the the defense, you did the defensive midseason review. And obviously we know, you know, we know that there are going to still be issues there. There are issues there and there probably will be all season. Is there anybody on that defense that you would, I don't think we could even debate anybody getting an A grade. Is there anybody that gets a B grade out of you? B plus, anything like that? B, you see here. I think, you know, Max Crosby's what, got five sacks. I think he's a guy teams definitely target and focus on. So I think he, despite that, he still shows up. So uh, probably give Max a B. Then uh, the linebackers, uh, I don't see any Bs at linebacker. I guess Kriakowski, maybe a B minus. I know getting Ted's there. A, he's getting there. I mean, he's solid. I don't think he's what they had in mind. Like, he's not an impact guy. And, like, somebody asked me if he got hurt at the end of the game, but he just comes out, you know, goal line. Uh, passing down, so um, that's not great for a guy you think is an impact guy. So a B minus for Kwiatkowski. The DBs, uh, I know people love Abram, but to me, it's still uh, still hit or miss. But uh, you know, we're in a good mood. We're at five and three. I give him a B minus for Jonathan Abram. Cornerbacks, I think Trayvon Mullins been pretty good. I think um, another B, B minus. So they'll be my four guys that jump out in my head right now. I'm trying to think of another lineman. I forgot. Um, I don't think so. Like those Mo Hurst, maybe? Mo Hurst? Yeah, sure. You mean he hasn't played enough? You know, Mo Hurst is funny. Yeah, I don't think he's, he hasn't played enough. No, he's he's funny on social media, so I'll give him a B minus. So. <laughs> that, that, he used to five. drive Uber, you know? Well, actually, yeah, he's a good guy. So that's five. I get five. Five B minuses on my defensive grades. The Mo Hurst Derek Carr gif was pretty funny of him, like, diving. He did a couple, yeah. You see the one where he, I guess, his high school tapes of being a running back? That was pretty good. I didn't see that. Yeah. I, I want to see that. 
He showed his form. He like I guess he was in I mean, his high school, junior high. He actually had a running back play where he actually jumped over the pile. Didn't jump very high, but um, yeah, it definitely was kind of funny. Is Joiner a B my B guy? Like, I know he's been better, you know, than yeah, the Ted's you know I think been the, saying it this season. Yeah, the bar was so I'll say B minus. Sure, B the bar was so low B. after last year. I'll give him a B. So six, six B minuses. Wow, that's, that's, that's a like, pretty. That's way too much. <laughs> uh, whatever, that's fine. Six, six B minuses. That's fine. I mean, at, with all these Bs, I mean, you're get you're getting to at least like C minus territory on the overall grade, and unless we're, uh, I mean, they have they have some Fs. I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, they right? got some Fs. We won't go into those. Yeah, Tashad, break down all your Fs for us. All right, we'll start off with the the guy playing. No, I'm just kidding. Won't put him on blast. His initials are M and C. We won't put him on blast. Initials are M and C. There's a couple of guys with M and C, so you can't, you know. Yeah, that's good. That's good. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You know, so there there was a guy that I had I had floated out as a potential trade target a few weeks ago, and obviously he ended up waived by Atlanta. Raiders did reportedly put in a waiver claim on Tack McKinley. Uh, he ended up going to the Bengals, who had uh, who were eighth on the waiver claim priority. Uh, reportedly, the 49ers and Browns, who were also both ahead of the Raiders, had put in claims, so the Raiders didn't have a chance at, at getting him. But you know, who knows what he you know what a change of scenery is going to do? But he's a former first round pick. He would have been a a guy that would have been interesting to see. What what he could do, you know, bring it into the mix uh, and giving them another pass rusher. I know I was on board with Carlos Dunlap, but McKinley was like calling himself trash on Twitter, basically. So, like, I don't, I don't know if I'm too salty about missing out on that one. He was trying to get cut. <laughs> and it worked. It was brilliant on his part. He's like, Yo, you guys don't want me. I stink. Well, you're right. We'll we cut you. Well, now he's probably good. He would have been so. cheap. He would have been like 900000 or whatever for the, the half year. And they had Arden Key back at practice today for the first time in a, in a minute. And so... He's been limited with a, a foot injury, and I know he hasn't had like any sacks or anything, but he had a few pressures, which is good considering <laughs> considering how yeah, the defensive sacks, line. But you, you know, hey, hey, the bar is low. He was kicked to Sean Watson <laughs> the, in the face, man. He got close. The, the, the bar, the bar is on the ground, but that's all right. I mean, not, not low, but we uh, grade on a curve here. Okay? It's a we five and three curve. team here, man. We can't be laughing about this. One, one of these weeks, Arden Key have a big breakout game. I'm not sure when it's going to happen, but. Maybe well, sometime. this is the week for the defense to break out because you're talking about you're facing a Broncos team. The Broncos are third in the NFL. They've turned the ball over 16 times. Both these teams are near the bottom of the league in turnover differential. The Raiders, it's more because they can't force any turnovers and they protect the ball fairly well. The Broncos are just turning the ball over left and right. And Drew Locke has thrown an interception in all four games since he returned from injury. He had two each in the first two weeks. He's had one each the last couple of weeks. Obviously, they've had three quarterback start games 
game for them. And the other guys uh, were uh, were pretty friendly with handing the ball to the other teams as well. So uh, not all a Drew Locke problem with the interceptions, but the Broncos are a team that give the ball up uh, 16 times. And I think if, if you're the Raiders, you've struggled in that regard for a long time, being able to force turnovers. This is a, a week you got to try to find a, a way to, to get the ball away from the other team. Yeah, I think one thing with the Broncos, though, like their turnovers has been a big issue, but I think they might be a little better offensively than numbers say. Like I was just looking at some of the teams that they've played this season. I think they've played three defenses that are in the top nine in scoring defense. And when they've played bad defenses, which the Raiders have one of those, like the Jets, Falcons, and Chargers, they've averaged over 30 points a game. So like they're they're capable when the, when the defense sucks, basically. So I don't think it's necessarily a week you can just chalk it up or relax because they'll get burned still. But they do have a propensity to give the ball away, but the Raiders haven't been very good at taking it away. So I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not as hot on the defense, like finally having their their breakthrough game. I guess the Browns game was, but you know the weather was terrible. So I don't. I don't know. I think they can still give up some points this week. Locke, he's streaky. You know, he'll he'll put together some stretches where he looks really good. You know, leading some nice drives, and then he'll have two or three drives where he looks terrible. So the Broncos are capable of scoring points. They're not as bad as their numbers say but I mean the key is that's a pressure uh lock and they did a good job of pressuring Herbert and we'll see if that they can carry it on to this game he's got some decent targets he's got you know Jerry Judy and Noah Fant's an interesting tight end and uh the guy is uh, kind of interesting is Tim Patrick's stepped in pretty well after injuries I think he's definitely a, a fantasy sleeper this weekend um for those out there want to Good guys are going against the Raiders, but um, yeah, definitely they should be able to score some points. Raiders aren't going to hold them to uh, 14 or anything, so I think it could be, again, more towards a high-scoring game. I was asked Ted, I'm kind of putting on my, my fan hat, but I was getting the question a lot, and I'm, you know, I did a, a tape Tuesday this week on the pass rush, but I don't have, you know, your level of expertise. So it was between the Chiefs game and the Chargers game. Did you notice the Raiders doing anything particularly different up front, or did it just come down to guys – just winning one-on-one battles more often. I think they just had good matchups. Like, you know, the, the Chargers game, they were going against a backup tackle. Chiefs game, they were missing some linemen too. And Carl Nassib was good in both those games. So I think, you know, he, he's been a pretty good situational rusher. I think the um, the Raiders should use him more. And uh, luckily his his toe injury wasn't that bad. I could see him having a sack or and having some pressures against the Broncos. You know, here's one Broncos stat I want to bring up that's... Uh pretty impressively bad uh they're 0 for 8 on fourth down so uh, there's another key for the raiders uh get get them in a fourth down situations uh they're last in the league they've yet to convert a fourth down attempt but the raiders are not good at the fourth down defense so they're like they're probably towards the bottom they, like they give up 80 percent of uh of their fourth down plays they've gone against they've gone for first downs i think so oh 80 percent that's a lot they haven't gone up against the broncos yet i guess not i guess this will be the uh... The Raiders are 8 of 10 themselves. They convert 80%, but like you said, they have allowed 80%. 8 of 10, they're, uh, they're the exact same. That's not good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of... We can say that about a lot of things about the defense this year. You know? 8 of 10 on fourth down. Wow. What's third down? I mean, they give up like a third and 16 every week. One of those fourth down stops was a game-winning stop against the Panthers, though. So at least uh, they got that one when they needed it. Another I- interesting Broncos defensive stat... They're really hard to score touchdowns on when you get in the red zone. 29 trips to the red zone for their opponents, only 14 touchdowns. So less than half the time uh, that opponents get in the red zone do they uh, they find the end zone. Yeah, they'll be without my guy, though. Shelby Harris has got the COVID. Hope he gets better. He's not going to play Sunday. So he's one of their key guys up front. 
one of my all-time favorite guys I've covered in my 10 years. So uh, hopefully he gets better. But it definitely is a big loss for them this weekend. Yeah, I think the other thing is their pass rush has been really good. I think they're top 10 in sacks, even without Von Miller, you know, being out all season. And, you know, especially if Colton Miller can't play this week and, you know, they're trotting out Brandon Parker and Sam Young again. And pass protection, you know, it got better, I think, as the game went on against the Chargers, but it was a little bit shaky to start. So I can see them having some issues with that just in terms of the, the Broncos defense hasn't been good this season. They've been a little bit below average. But if they're able to get after Carr and, and rattle him a little bit, that could be maybe something that could help them slow down the Raiders on offense. I think the Broncos, they're just a little outside the top 10 as far as DVOA. I think their offense has hurt their numbers a lot, especially when Drew Locke was out. So, you know, they aren't like this, you know, a Tampa Bay lockdown defense. But, you know, like you said, their pass rush is strong and they play the run fairly sound. So I don't know if this is going to be a game where the Raiders could just rush for 160 yards on them. This is a game where Carr is going to have to take over and make some plays. It's weird because you can't underestimate this team. They just haven't finished a lot of plays, but they're a team you can't underestimate for sure. All right, another matchup, not really a matchup because they don't go up against each other, but I mean, I think at least for the next four or five years here while these guys are on their rookie contracts, we're going to be comparing Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy quite a bit. I mean, the Raiders, we know why they went after Ruggs. They they want him to be their deep threat, and obviously the, the production early on in his career, you know, it has been a little bit slow, 10 catches, 220 yards, whereas Judy leads the Broncos with 484 yards. He's got 30 catches, two touchdowns. Uh, they're different receivers. You know, time will tell certainly over the next few years, which who made the right call, if the Raiders made the right call or not. And um, it'll be fun just to kind of see the first of, uh, of many battles uh, where these two guys are on opposing teams. Yeah, I know I've been getting my stories anyway. I don't know about you, Vic, but I've been getting comments, you know, Jerry, Judy, C.D. Lamb, Chase Claypool, like, did we mess up? Like, take the wrong guys. There's another bus. I'm like, God, geez, guys, it's been eight games, you know? Got to relax a little bit. You know, all those guys have played better than Henry Ruggs so far this season, but I don't think you can just write the dude off this quickly. And one stat that I found while kind of trying to figure out, you know, why Ruggs hasn't been as productive this season minus the the injuries is the Raiders are, I believe, last in the league in passes that they throw to receivers. I guess it's not that surprising given how many multiple tight end sets they use and how much they throw to the fullback and running backs. But I think it was just a very small number of targets that go to receivers in general in the game. And so there just haven't been as many opportunities, I think, for for Ruggs to make plays. I'm not trying to make excuses for him. Obviously, you can do a better job of getting open. And, you know, he's had some close calls where if he would have got his feet in bounds, they would have been touchdowns or catches for long gains. So he definitely has room to improve. But I think there's there's more to it than just, you know, writing him off already. Yeah, he's definitely shown flashes. I think also you have to give him credit for helping other guys get open. He's definitely helped create some space for Nelson Aguilar and Darren Waller and the running backs and tight ends you mentioned. So I think he definitely is a guy defense is worried about. I think um, today in the conference call, uh, Vic Fangio said that you know Darren Waller's obviously incredible, but you can't really pay as much attention as you want to on Waller because you have Ruggs and Aguilar. So he definitely has had an effect. I think they wanted to give him the ball more often. Definitely, you know, not only in the air, but also on the ground here and there. So I think we'll see more of him in the second half. I think he's had some growing pains, which is not to be, you know, not a big surprise for a rookie wide receiver in this league. So it's a, usually a tough adjustment. Yeah, I think there's a few factors to it. I mean, one, Darren Waller is, is the number one receiver in this offense. And then Nelson Aguilar has emerged as a really legitimate deep threat. I mean, he's one of the, the most consistent deep threats in the NFL this season. And... 
this is a running team. So, you know, the targets share, it's just not going to be super high for, for Henry Ruggs. He is getting open. I mean, he's not getting wide open, but there are plays where Carr can kind of force issue to him like he has with Nelson Aguilar. But I, I think the trust isn't completely there yet. You know, Aguilar is a veteran and, and Ruggs still has some things to learn and they'll get there, they'll get it together. But they're, they're good signs. I mean, the speed is showing up and defenses are respecting him. But I don't think we anybody really expected Ruggs to have a, a huge productive season like Jerry Judy or CeeDee Lamb. Those are guys who work the short area of the field, intermediate parts of the field, and they're bigger parts of their um, their respective team's offense. So they're going to get a ton of passes thrown at them. Ruggs doesn't have to get a ton of passes thrown to him to make an impact, but you do want to see more production. But I think that'll come with time as Carr starts trusting him more and to get their timing down. <laughs> All right, let's head over to some questions here, and uh, we're going to get to a topic I know we wanted to talk about uh, with one of these questions here. A question from Jeremy P. If Alec Ingold plays this week, is he the baddest man on the planet? Rib injury? Doesn't matter. He's back out there practicing on Wednesday. Baddest man on the planet? Like, who's on that list? Like, Khabib's on that list, right? Uh, who else we got? I'm trying to think who else on that list. But, yeah, he's pretty – I'm definitely very impressed. I mean, I thought there was no way he'd be playing again after seeing him in the hospital watching the game. So, obviously, fullbacks are different different kind of breeds. So, definitely very impressed that he's back in, in the practice field. And if he plays, he's definitely on the uh, the baddest man on the planet list uh, for sure. All right, question here from Jeffrey H. Is Nelson Aguilar in the running for comeback player of the year? Also, would the team consider signing him to an extension before he hits free agency? I got bad news on the first question. Uh, Comeback player of the year has already been decided. Alex Smith won that the minute he uh, took a snap in a game. So no there. But what about an extension? I mean, I don't know for sure. But you would have to think they would consider keeping him around after how well he's played. Um, You know, obviously the future at the position is a little bit murky. Edwards and Ruggs are going to be around, but we don't know, you know, 100% what Tyrell Williams' future is going to be. You know, are they going to keep his salary on the books? Are they going to cut him loose? And so I think all that is going to factor into it. So I don't think they're making a decision off of eight games. You know, we'll, we'll see once the offense gets here, but offseason gets here. But um, he's gotten off to a pretty good start so far with the, the prices, right? I would think if you're Aguilar and his agent, you're a veteran receiver, and don't have a lot of time left. I think you want to test the market after a big year like this. But I think it definitely he and John Gruden are, are pretty tight, so it's a possibility. But my guess would be they want to test the market because he's only got probably one, you know, couple, two or three year deal left, and they can get the big, the big money. All right, question here from Alex V. If the Raiders finish ten and six and make the playoffs and get their starters back healthy. Do they have a realistic shot at the Super Bowl, or would they be more likely a one-and-done team? Also, did Vic and Tashawn go to Tacos El Gordo in Vegas like I recommended for them? Did you go, have you been to Tacos El Gordo yet? It's pretty good. It's not no, like San Diego. I but. think Vic wanted to go to like one of his childhood spots or something. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> childhood spots. <laughs> <laughs> I went to Roberto's Taco. Roberto's like 20 years ago. I want to go back. It's still pretty good. But I think uh, Taco's El Gordo. I'm not sure I've been to that one. Alex V told you to go, man. How are you going to ignore Alex V? I went to Pinche Tacos because it had a cool name. Oh, that's Strip Club? Uh, Pinche? <laughs> no. Pinche Tacos? No. Not a strip club. Strip clubs are closed right now. I've, I've heard. Oh. But uh, <laughs> I've not been to El Gordo, I don't think. El Gordo originated in San Diego, and it's one of my favorite taco spots, the one in San Diego. And then they, you know, how Vegas does it, they like to move stuff there. So they opened up their version of it in in Las Vegas. It's pretty good, but it's not like the San Diego one. 
So let's get back to if they get finished 10 and 6 and get their starters back healthy, which, you know, we always everybody always likes to say, well, once we get healthy, we're going to be fine. And that's it's never as easy, guys. You know, injuries can always more injuries can always happen. But if they're 10 and 6 and let's let's just say relatively healthy going into the postseason, you know, Colt Miller's back. I don't think we can assume anything with Trent Brown, but let's say they, they have Colt Miller and maybe Incognito back. Super Bowl run. I think it's tough. No. I don't think so. Like the defense is nah. Defense is too bad for me. I mean, as of right now, I think, you know, if it ends up being that eight team playoff, they would be the six seed matched up against the Bills in the first round, which uh, you know, is it, it, not a great matchup for them. I mean it's a one score game in the fourth quarter, I guess, you know, whatever can happen, but I just I don't trust that that defense the way they've been looking this season. They haven't been good against a run order pass. They can't rush anybody. I don't necessarily see that change in this season. You know, maybe it'll get better with when Arnett coming back when it comes to pass coverage. But and even for the offense, like I don't know. If, I think they're, they've had a good good offense, but I don't know if they have a another tier where they can beat the Chiefs in the playoff game or the Ravens or you know some of these other teams that they would have to go through in order to make that kind of a, a run. Yeah, I think they'll be one of those teams where nobody wants to play them because they're potentially explosive on offense and sometimes they have surprising defensive performances so uh, you know if you were a number one seed or a number two seed you definitely don't want, don't want, wouldn't want to see the Raiders but to cement them as Super Bowl contenders is just a little bit of a reach just because like you guys said that defense is just way too shaky to make that sort of statement all right let's uh, get out of here with some predictions Raiders Broncos what do we got we'll start with you Ted I'll go Raiders. I think uh, Drew Locke's going to turn the ball over. And the Raiders' offense is going to score enough points to, to win this. I think it'll be closer than people think, though. I think uh, it'll be one of those ugly games where the Raiders will win, uh, let's say, 28-24. I got three in a row. Raiders winning again. So I guess that'll cement them. Uh, what was the guy saying? Making the playoffs, right? Yeah. Clinch the playoff spot. Yeah. So they clinched the playoffs with this win to Sunday night. And uh I give, I give my guy Drew Luck a couple touchdowns. I think the Broncos will score some points, but I think the Raiders just have too much for them and pull it out at home and set up the, the big matchup with the Chiefs the week after. Yeah, I picked against them the last two weeks. I know fans are enjoying that, that I've been wrong, and they want me to keep doing it. But uh, I can't go against them this week. I think the Broncos uh, are not quite up to it. I think, like I mentioned, uh, Shelby Harris, to me, that's a big loss to them. I think he's definitely one of the better defensive players and helps stop their run game. So if he's not in there, I think um, that definitely make it easier for them. So uh, I think the Raiders win 34-30. I'm going to go Raiders 30-21. They get, uh, they get forced to settle a few times for field goals because of that Broncos uh, good red zone defense, but uh, they're still able to move the ball. Broncos you know, are able to score a little bit, but Raiders get two turnovers, a big two-turnover game, uh, 30-21 Raiders. We've got a sweep. Yeah, we need uh, Kawakami or Marcus to come in and mess us up. So They definitely will. There's no, there's no doubt. Tim will not pick a third straight win. Uh, I can guarantee you that. All right, guys. Well, that'll wrap up this week's episode of State of the Nation. We'll be back on Sunday night after the Raiders host the Denver Broncos. See if the Raiders can clinch that playoff spot. I know our guy uh, 
he he wants a shout out from us if uh, if they actually do it. So we'll uh, we'll uh, we'll give him a mention on the pod. He wants more than a shout. He wants all you guys to follow him on social media. He wants more than a shout out. He wants like I think he wants some money. <laughs> really? Uh, oh jeez. He wants more than props. He wants. His team to get to the playoffs, man. Like that's t-shirts. pretty good. Yeah, it's your reward. Be grateful. Make him playoffs. <laughs> he was so sure about it. He should just put a bunch. Of, if they win three in a row, he should put a bunch of money. Oh, he's got to put a thousand bucks so, on him making the playoffs. Yeah. If they. Yeah, if he's not in Vegas, I'll go do it for. All right, guys, we'll talk to you on Sunday. Peace out. Adios. Later.